Hi everyone, I'm Weston, and this is Queer Meets Queer. Sometimes relationships move fast. Things click into place and start rolling, and there's all this unanticipated momentum driving you forward. One minute you are meeting for the first time, maybe for coffee, maybe to hook up. And before you know it, your lives are intertwined in ways you wouldn't have previously thought possible. That's how things were for today's storytellers, Ray and Tom. My name is Ray. Uh, he, him is fine. Um, I definitely identify as a queer gay man. Uh, and I tend to dip my toe into androgyny if I'm feeling sassy. Ray told me that he is especially fond of wearing nine-inch high heels. I'm Tom. Um, he, him is fine. After discussing vaccinations, safety precautions, and risk tolerance, we decided to record the interview in Tom and Ray's home in Northeast Portland. Ray uncorked a bottle of local red wine. Tom made chocolate chip cookies. There are so many more cookies in this kitchen, by the way, so help yourself. I insisted that this was unnecessary, but Tom laughed and said, Hun, I'm an older gay man. We serve food. When I arrived at their apartment, the cookies were fresh out of the oven. I was holding onto my cookie, and it was melting in my hand. Tom and Ray are in their 40s, and they have lived together for about seven years. They have a rescue dog, a blonde Labrador-looking cutie named Steinbeck, who slept peacefully at our feet throughout the interview. Today, our story starts with Tom. Lord, I've come a long way. I've used, I grew up in Maine. I spent a lot of time in New England. Um, then I was in Denver for about four years and then moved here. Um, chasing men on scruff, basically, is what drove me across the country. For those of you who might not know what scruff is, Tom can fill you in. Oh, sorry, yeah, Scruff is an online hookup slash dating app. Tom found himself in Denver, chasing men on Scruff, after a messy end to a long-term relationship in Boston. I'm a divorcee. I was actually married to a man in Massachusetts back when it first became legal. When I got married, I ended up giving up a lot of my identity into the marriage, and then that fell apart and the divorce was a situation, but... This was back in 2010 when Massachusetts was one of the only places in the country that recognized gay marriage. Tom's marriage ended when he developed feelings for someone else. In Tom's words, it was an affair of the mind and the heart. Because I did. I fell in love outside of the relationship. I love my husband, but I also love this other guy. Things with the other guy didn't progress. He lived in London. Tom was in the middle of a divorce. It was complicated. So Tom moved to Denver for a change of scenery, but he never gave up on finding love. You know, serious husband hunting while I was there to the point where, like, I had good friends of mine just go, chill out, Tom. In Denver, while searching for a husband on Scruff, Tom met someone who lived in Portland, Oregon, and decided to move there to be with him. They moved in together, but that relationship didn't work out either. I had broken up with the guy I moved to be here with, like months prior, but then ended up living in his back room. It was a terrible situation. Tom was in desperate need of a new place to live. Luckily, some of Tom's friends in Portland had a spare room and offered to rent it out to him. And it's, it was like stupid and expensive. They're like, we know you just started your job. We know you have nothing. Come stay at our house. You'll be safe. We'll feed you. This is when Tom met Ray. Ray tells us how. On Scruff, 
We definitely are a scruff couple. Uh huh. We definitely are a scruff couple. <laughs> I'm on scruff because, yeah. of course, now I'm like, I've got a bed. I've got, I'm living with gay men. And I asked if I could have men over. And they're like, why do you think we have you here? Yes, we want you to bring boys over for us and stuff. And like, so that was great. And so I'm like, can I have this guy over? And they're like, yeah, he seems nice. We are going to back up for a moment and learn a little more about Ray's backstory. I had just, or I was in the middle of trying to make my way through Portland State University, trying to make my way and pay bills at a job at a wine bar. And I had been recently out of a relationship and I was frankly feeling a little bit broken. So I was on Scruff, not really looking for anything serious, but also maybe leaving myself open to possibilities. And he showed up on my on my screen and he mentioned being, you know, a little bit writerly, which I found intriguing. And I was like, huh, he's got nice eyes. He seems nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him up. So Ray hit Tom up. And soon they were seeing a lot of each other. Tom's roommates took notice. I think it was like two or three weeks later, one of the guys, Bill, he was like, we're not getting to see any other men other than this guy that you're dating now, are we? And I'm like, am I dating him? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we were kind of a, yeah. we were kind of a something for like six months. We refused to label it. Oh yeah, that's another thing that we've actually, actually done as a, a couple quite actively is refuse to be labeled which has given us space to identify ourselves. Like I used to run into, and this is back in Boston, and I used to get asked all the time back there, like, well, what, who's what in the relationship? Like, A, it's none of your business. And B, I don't know how, I don't know what a wife feels like. What, what does it mean to be a wife? You know what I mean? Like I'm a, I'm a guy, a wife is a term, that's a gendered term that I don't identify with. So I don't know what you want me to say. But it was, marriage was a way for that culture, those cultures, to interface with my gayness. Like, oh, you're married, so now you you fit into this weird puzzle that I've already worked out in my head. I'm like, how? I don't know. Like, it was because they defined what my marriage was for them. Yeah. And I let them do it. And I let people have take that power from me. And I was damn set that this time around, I was not going to let that happen. Scruff brought Tom and Ray together but it is also where they first began to fall for each other and how they started to build on their connection. Like we spent so much time talking about travel on a, on a dating hookup app. That's right, we did. Yeah, we fell in Patagonia. love. Patagonia. Like we definitely had a hookup. That, that he came over for sex. We had really good sex. And then we spent hours talking about traveling to South America and Patagonia and how we'd love to go down there and have real good wine in Argentina. Uh-huh. And go hiking. And go hiking. That was basically like, yeah. okay, we can, we can do the things in the bed, but we also want to do these other amazing things outside of the bedroom, which I've never actually been in a relationship that explored any of that. Go, so hang, yes. out, go hang out with some Monacos and drink yeah. Some, yeah. some Argentine wine. Get on a plane and take your passport and yeah. go. Yeah. Try my Spanish a little bit, which yeah. is awful. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to hit on Gringo. a hot caballero. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and Ray continue like this for a few weeks. They hook up. They dream together. They keep it light. They enjoy the moment they are creating together. Then something happens that changes their relationship forever. He He's driving for our local bus company. And we have one of our usual Portland snowstorms, which, if you're from the East Coast, is almost nothing. But if for Portland, it shuts down the city for days. 
hours, if not days. And this was one of those snowstorms. He sent me a message. It was probably a text or something just saying, well, I got my bus stuck in the snow. And I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. Well, I'm going to fix that. So I can't unfix a stuck bus, but I decided I was going to bring him a warm sandwich in the snowstorm. So I go to our my favorite local deli, pick up a nice warm sandwich for him, and then take TriMet to go find him where he is, which is then on the other side of town because I think they gave up on the stuck bus. It was up on the hill. It was up in Vista Park. Yeah, but I, I met you by the garage. Yeah, I had managed yeah. to get... It was six hours of stuck in a snowbank. Yeah. I managed to get back to the garage with this blessed soul. <laughs> you met me there, and I just hmm? was like... Lifesaver. Something, and I remember saying something to you, the kins of like... like if we put this on, like something about putting this on Facebook makes it real or something. Yeah, Facebook or, official. Or, no, be careful. You're going to make yourself into my boyfriend. Yeah. Something goofy like that. And yeah. then all of a sudden he updated our pro arch. He changed our relationship status on Facebook to as a couple. And yeah. I remember like. We're in a relationship, yeah. Going through 14-year-old, like, squidgy. Oh, it's real. You know, emotions. It was uh -huh. dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. But I felt like really like it was it was such a positive experience. Like I hadn't been taken care of or loved in so long because I had I was just in a series of really dark spaces with regards to relationships. So to have this warm soul show up in a snowdrift with a warm sandwich, I'm just like, I'm easy. I'm yours now. Like whatever yeah. you need. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, it, well it, for me, it was like I think there was a point where I made a decision where it was just like, I could make the most of my day off from work and just, you know, go have fun, play in the snow. Or I could do something nice for this person I'm seeing who's having a shitty day. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna do that. They say the way to the heart's through the stomach and yeah. it's definitely true for me. <laughs> even <laughs> like though the- Cookies. <laughs> even though the sandwich was cold by the time he got it. It was like a hot melted cheese sandwich. Like it was ham and cheese melted together like a panini and it was so good. And even though I don't like paninis because this is the dumbest thing. I remember the sandwich having really sharp crusty bread and it cut the crap out of my mouth and I didn't oh, care. I, I didn't even told, think about I that. I never told you, you. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, this is so good. I can't, my roof of my mouth is torn to shreds, but it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, that was the day we made it Facebook official. So yeah, we had six weeks of no labels at all. Yeah. So, and then after that was like, I don't want to label it, but you're in a, we're in a relationship. Well, uh, but the thing is, I do remember having a conversation with you at the time about our presence on the apps, like Scruff or Grinder. And for me, I immediately took myself off of the apps. I was like, I am done looking. I have met the guy. I already didn't know if I wanted to have you in my life, but I was already like, I don't want to be distracted. I want to figure this out. So I just deleted them all to focus on him. But I do remember asking how you felt about that mm -hmm. and that you still wanted to stay on there, which at the time I said I was fine with. Yeah. But internally I was screaming because like, Monogamous couples don't go on the apps. Uh -huh. Tom wanted to be monogamous, and that's what he told Ray. And I said, okay, that, that, that's fine. Except I am going to Europe in, you know, at the end of the year or whatever. I've been planning this trip for like two years, and I don't want to make any promises I can't keep. And I was so naive to think, oh, I, he, he obviously knows what I mean when I say, you know, 
I'm your boyfriend. Don't forget that. Yeah. Like I didn't, we didn't actually talk about the kinds of sex that were safe or like what's a, we didn't go there. It was just a weird assumption that I made. Yeah. Oh, our dog is, our dog is dreaming. So pardon the barking. Soon the time came for Ray to leave for his trip. I, I went to Europe. I did the trip that I wanted to do pretty much my whole adult life. And it was the most amazing thing I have done for myself as an adult. But um, I want to say most of that time I spent missing Thomas. I don't know if I ever told you that. If you did, I couldn't hear it because I was in a blind yeah. white rage. <laughs> and it, it wasn't that, like, I want to be home with Thomas. It was... I want him to be with me experiencing this and also maybe him go off and experience some things that he would enjoy that I wouldn't. Like, I I want us to share in this adventure. At the same time, me being a queer man in Europe, I let myself experience some things I've always wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, a big party trip where I was a whore, but I can say that I definitely fulfilled that teenage queer boy impulse that I saw in that queers folk narrative of going to a giant queer party and you're just surrounded by beautiful men of all sizes with amazing music that you're really enjoying and it kind of hits you in your soul your emotions first before anything else that satisfied something in me that I hadn't really experienced Ray's trip also included sex with other men. It, it did. I, it, it happened. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't something I actively sought out, but it did happen. I met this lovely Spaniard when I was in Madrid. Uh, I honestly don't remember his name, but I do remember he was a teacher, and I met him at a wine bar that was in my neighborhood. I, had, I spent a lovely afternoon with this man, and... At the end of it, after, at the end of a couple bottles of wine, I invited him back to my Airbnb and we had an intimate moment. When Ray returned to Portland, Tom asked if he had remained faithful. This is embarrassing because I was diabolical about this stuff. I was so angry and scared that you were going to leave me. But I definitely, got, I, I think I started off with like a quick, oh, so how many guys did you hook up with? Kind of like a snide little joke thing that then turned into a very aggressive argument the first one we'd ever had. I mean, I screamed, I threw stuff. It yeah. was not pretty. It was an argument. As an added wrinkle, Tom had moved into Ray's home. They were now living together. For me to have to move into your home meant that like, I was now dependent on you for like a place to live. And that for me was tied to like survival and my job. And like, I needed to have a roof over my head. And if you're going to threaten that arrangement in any way through you know, stepping out of bounds in a relationship or going behind my back and making me feel less than or like, like any threat to the, the stability that I, that was shaky at best because I already knew that I was encroaching in your space way too fast and way too much. It was early. It was, it was like three months in, it was super early and I was very aware of that. So I was trying to be like very much not, not a heavy presence, but like to have you do that, it threatened my like existence in portland at least that's where my brain went it was and the the reaction i had to it was very much like fight or flight response survival and bless your heart i went off (laughs) on you for days yeah but 
like you do because you're a patient, patient soul. You let me go through, you let, you let the storm blow over, and um, you let me apologize, and you accepted my apology. And then we talked about it. And we just talked about it. And then our relationship kind of stayed from the outside in. It would have looked like a very dedicated monogamous couple. At this point in their relationship, major differences were arising. For one, there was the issue of monogamy. With, you know, his need for absolute monogamy, whereas I sometimes broke out of that. Another thing was that Tom and Ray were different people socially. Tom was more introverted. He preferred small gatherings and often felt oppressed by crowds. But what exhausted Tom exhilarated Ray. He's, his big thing after, after work sometimes was to go out to some of the big parties we had here in town, like Blow Pony or Barracuda, Barracuda or whatever. Yeah. I don't like going to them because I don't do big crowds like that, but he loves it. And so he it, would it go. Was, it was a good social outlet. Yeah, no, yeah. You, it, they were great for you. They also had opposing work schedules. I think a major problem was there was several years where our schedules were almost opposite. He was working mornings and I worked late at night at the wine bar. So, you know, I'd go to work at like three or four in the afternoon and I would be at work until 1 a.m. sometimes. And that's just enough time to walk down the street and catch like last call at Little Blow Pony before they close, you know. All of these differences fed into each other. When Ray was unwinding after work, Tom was asleep, resting for his early morning shift driving for mass transit. Where Ray craved partying with friends and bustling venues with pumping music, Tom craved quality time. Ray feared being cut off from the larger queer community. Tom feared being cut off from Ray. In the moment, communicating about these differences was difficult. Um, he would go, and then sometimes he'd tell me he was going, and sometimes he wouldn't. And sometimes I would make the effort to show up and be there with him, and then be miserable, or not. Meanwhile, I'm sitting at home, you know, I'm asleep, but then I'll wake up at like 2 in the morning, and you're not there. Yeah. And then at 4 in the morning, you're not there. I guess I want, what I'm trying to say is, I wanted to be, like, treated where, with a level of respect that said, I'm gonna go do these things. I probably won't be home tonight. Here's a text message just to let you know, go to sleep, I'll be fine. But I also understand that like doing so is, you know, it's kind of dumb. Like it's checking in with your dad and you, I'm not your dad, I'm your, I'm your person. Yeah, there's been, there was plenty of times where I would have let him, I w did let him know that, hey, I'm gonna go to the thing tonight and I would get this cold kind of emotionally distant response. And I was like, oh shit, I've already pissed him off. And I wasn't even planning on doing anything scandalous, you know? And I, I want to say, like, there was probably once or twice where I did have a little bit of a revenge, you know, kind of fucky response to that. It was emotionally immature of me, and we should have talked it out. But I'll acknowledge that. But I was super jealous. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, no, I was, I was worried about him, but I also would, could feel that, like, nauseating, awful pressure of jealousy and that rage coming back every time. And it was just exhausting. It was me basically coming to grips with the fact that, like, it turns out the person I'm with has a life of their own, and that can't control them as a means of fixing what I feel is broken inside me. Outside of Portland, away from work and the queer dance scene, things were easier. But I want to say, along around the same time, 
him and I's relationship really started to blossom was at the same time that we started to really spend time with each other away from Portland and going on adventures on our own. Yeah, I had um, switched my shift up so that I was only working three days a week. Yeah. And had four days off every week, which oh, was fantastic. Yeah. We did have an awesome summer where <coughs> we camped. We camped all every the time. other weekend, which was that awesome. became our thing for the longest time. We have a yeah. closet full of camping equipment because that's yeah. what we do. We just like the world sucks. Our relationship's kind of weird right now. Let's just go camping. Yeah. And it always reset us. And for all their differences, Tom and Ray had a lot in common. Uh, I mean, other than our mutual passions of like traveling and you know spending good times with friends. We've both encouraged and invested each other's creative outlets, which has turned out to be a very crucial part of our relationship. Tom and Ray encouraged creative growth in each other and allowed for growth in their own relationship. Slowly, things changed. Tom's concept of monogamy began to shift. We started flirting with guys together. <laughs> And that was a light bulb in my head. Like he would sit there and be like, you should go talk to that guy. He's really hot. And I'd be like, yeah, he is really hot. And of course I get a drink in me and I talk to the wall. So like, True. and I'm, I'm kind of shy. Yeah. So like I became the like, I'm going to walk up to that pretty man. and I want to say hi. And so I did. And so we had fun doing that, you know, and then we'd have a conversation. Sometimes it'd be sexy and sometimes it wouldn't, but it was always just like, oh, we can have fun with this. We don't have to stay locked in each other's eyes for hours on end sipping really sad alcohol we can just like kick back and like cruise the room and be gay men together and like mm -hmm. do our thing like and it turns out that i really liked watching guys flirt with him in 2019 they went on a trip to palm springs together to attend the international bear convergence a huge event dedicated to hairy gays and their appreciators this was a potentially hairy situation for their relationship. There would inevitably be big parties that Ray would want to go to and Tom wouldn't, differences in expectations, and lots of distracting, handsome men. And we got this trip to Palm Springs and we actually took the time before we went there to have a conversation about what are the guideposts here? What are the things that you and I can do alone and together that we're each, in, each comfortable with? We also took time for the trip so that we could take off to the desert in Joshua Tree National Park for three days before. Uh -huh. So that gave us a chance to like really, really connect as a couple away from people in this space that both of us have wanted to explore and enjoy for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you spend three days in the literal desert, the billions of stars overhead. It was just perfect. The quality time they spent in Joshua Tree gave Tom and Ray an opportunity and the clarity to have a serious conversation. So it was like, yeah, it was mostly like looking at the schedule of events, picking the things you want to do. Like I wanted to go to like a couple events at a small, a couple smaller bars. You wanted to do the pool party. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I don't really feel like I want to go to the pool party, but I want you to go. And that led to the like, well, what can I do when I'm there? Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, you can do what you like. Uh -huh. Like. We just need to be able to really good communicators about like who needs the, if, if you're going to bring somebody back to the place we were staying, I want to make sure that you have that space. So just tell me so I don't come and show up and ruin your experience. You yeah. know what I mean? Perhaps to everyone's surprise, Tom met someone. You yep. didn't bring anybody home, but I did. Yeah. And you met him. Yeah. And he was lovely. 
I met a wonderful man that I'm still be- like really good and close friends with that like it just it sparked a huge shift in my understanding of like how big my heart can get and how many people I can love at the same time and like I figured out that I possibly am polyamorous because I do love big and I want to love more than just one person and it's something that's resonated with me deeply. Tom came back from Palm Springs feeling rejuvenated, energized, and open. Like, I just came out of the closet again. It felt like I had just come out again. And it was just fascinating that I could, like, and I would tell you, I would ask you, like, is it okay that I'm feeling this way for this guy? And you're like, it's adorable. Go for it. Well, to be fair, you were checking in with me constantly for like six months after yeah. to the point where I was like annoyed. <laughs> I'm well, like, yes, that's okay. I, well, that's Go the away. Thing. And the other thing, that it, well, the other thing that it made me realize, and I mentioned this earlier, was like, I feel like my husband the entire time in our relationship has been an open lover to begin with. And so that was for me was a moment of just like huge watershed and tears and sadness, like crying, like angry at myself for how much I tried to cage you and stop you from having those experiences because I was afraid of losing you. Yeah. Before long, Tom fell in love again. So I fell in love with a guy. I met a boy, a boy, a gentleman, a lovely man on scruff. And he asked me on our first date, he's like, I met from coffee. And he's like, so your profile says open relationship. Does that mean you're polyamorous? And I'm like, no, it just means I'm in an open relationship. And I was like, I'm with this guy, Ray, and we're in a partnership and we're open. As in, I'm allowed to meet other guys, have sexual play, as long as I tell him. Like, there's some rules. But but the, the when he asked me, "Are you poly- does that mean you're polyamorous? I was just like, maybe. Like, I hadn't really put it out there publicly, like on any app or any profile. And so to have somebody ask me about it directly really brought it into spotlight. And I thought about it and I was like, no, actually I, I am polyamorous. Like I do, I, it was mostly, do I have space in my heart to fall for this guy? Cause him and I connected immediately, like immediately. Mm-hmm. And he knew it and I knew it and the energy was so good. And it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I am going to have this guy in my life a little bit more. He's not just a one-off coffee date slash scruff hookup. He's going to be like a person that I do things with and build a thing with. By this time, COVID is in full force. Ray has lost his job and the wine industry in Oregon had more or less entered hibernation. Ray took a job at a liquor store with an abusive, conservative boss to make ends meet. And from this vantage point, he watched Tom fall in love with another man. Well, I was, I would say, slightly emotionally unavailable. I wasn't, like, cut off or shut off from it, but I was trying to see where my career is going to go, and I was looking for jobs, I was applying for jobs, I wasn't getting any responses back, and my attention was elsewhere. And I, I would say I definitely was a little bit emotionally unavailable. But at the same time, I was watching the two of you get to know each other, start to fall in love with each other, and then start to spend time with each other and fall in love with each other hard. And rather than like feel vulnerable or jealous, I felt like 
I don't know, like a grandma baking cookies. I'm like, oh, they're doing this thing and it's adorable. There's, there's a there's a term for that called compersion. Yeah. Which yes. Yeah. And it was I didn't. That's so sweet. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, it, it it was awesome and like when I could be there for things and participate and like this person and I didn't have that intimate connection that him and him and Thomas had, but we did have a friendship and, and I, we had a candid relationship. Things with Tom's new lover didn't pan out and they eventually broke up. Polyamory isn't for everyone, but they are still friends. In the fall of 2020, Tom and Ray decided to get married. Their motivation to get married, to adopt that label, something that they had resisted throughout their relationship to some extent, came suddenly and was politically motivated. Here is what they said when I asked them about why they decided to get hitched. Oh, oh love that. Amy Coney Barrett. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, literally, that was the only reason, because, like, I was not ready at all. He said Amy Coney Barrett, but I would say my decision was the day Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Because I was at that awful job that I had taken at a liquor store, conservative end of town, going through hell on a daily basis. And then my phone blinks in my pocket. And I take a break and look at my phone for a second and realize what the hell just happened. I instantly start crying. Whether or not I was emotionally not ready yet or not, there was a deadline, and that made my decision for me. It was Tom who popped the question, and apparently not for the first time. I mean, I did ask you to get married many, many times, but only 16 because, and a half whatever. times. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time you popped the question was like maybe month 13. Yeah, super early. It was really early. Lock and down, and my answer was always... Not yet. I'm not ready yet. Lock it down, though. Uh huh. <laughs> like, I'm enjoying. Our, I'm, I'm enjoying where we're going. I'm enjoying spending time with you. Let's see where it goes. But my answer was always not yet. And then you asked fifteen and a half more times. I was it, persistent with it because, like, I was in love with you. But I also, I will say this: every time I'd asked you, I hadn't actually. I had. I know I was buying into somebody else's idea of marriage when I was asking you to take part in that with me. Yeah. When you finally said yes, yeah. which was after I'd come out as polyamorous, and we'd had a discussion about, like I literally was, ter I wanted to marry him, but I was terrified, 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 terrified that I'd have to drop my expanding heart. I'd mm -hmm. have to shut that side of me off, I'd have to give it up, I'd have to like deny that that part of me existed because the last marriage I was in was definitely like, you have to give up. I, I did have to give up the fact that I fell in love outside of that relationship. I was, I, I will say it now, it's, it, and I can see it clear as day, I was a polyamorous person back in 2010, you know, when, I was, when, when, when my ex asked me to leave. Still, marriage felt like a big step, and Tom was scared. I cried because I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't think I'm ready to get married. I don't think that this is what I want. I was, I was, I had like, you hear about cold feet? Yeah. I had fucking ice cubes all the way down my leg. Like, it was just, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. They got married in October 2020 by a justice of the peace in downtown Portland, Oregon, a city more or less under lockdown because of COVID. 
and like the town around us like it's just you know it's covid portland so it's a bit rough it's a rough beat up whatever (laughs) but we're standing under this the the kind of like ghost town portland art museum and they have a big neon sign over the door that says love wins Uh and i just was like Okay. I, I, I honestly, and there it goes. There's, there's the waterworks. Yeah. Like that's, that's just what happened. I honestly couldn't have planned that to be more perfect. I didn't know. And the sun came out. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Do so. we, do we mention the rings for oh, the ceremony? Yeah, you should definitely. Okay. So we've definitely made the judge embarrassed. <laughs> it was adorable. We swapped rings, but they're not rings you'd wear on your finger. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. We basically took each other's cock ring out of our pockets and swapped it right in front. He's like, where, where are the rings? And I was like, you want me to put this in your hand, sir? We you didn't. You didn't, like, you didn't, like, drop your pants. No. Like. To be fair, we just put each other in each other's hands. Yeah, right. we, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, did yeah. not. Right. I did not slip we it did over not his wear finger, the rings. if you will. Right. Yeah. And we, he turned, like, the, like uh, this, like, bright shade of red. Uh-huh. And I was like, nobody's ever swapped cock rings before. And I uh-huh. was like. Yep. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome to Portland. And everyone was like stunned. They nobody knew it was coming either. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you should see the wing the ring swap's gonna be great, guys. Yeah. I promise. For anyone listening who might find this shocking, I would like to remind you that the matrimonial ring ceremony is already overtly symbolic of sexual coupling. Weddings have always been a public performance of sex and sexuality. Tom and Ray did not add sexuality to the ceremony that wasn't already there. They just did it differently. Swapping cock rings was something Tom and Ray had imagined incorporating into their wedding for a long time, and they made it happen. They made the ceremony theirs, and they made it queer. We are reaching the end of our time with Tom and Ray. Tom will leave us with some final thoughts. This one has taught me to be patient with myself. He's taught me to like feel my emotions and don't let my emotions like rule me. I can be an angry, I can be angry, I can be sad, I can be happy, I can fall in love, I can be all of the things, but I'm still just me and, and I'm still a good person. Um, and I have every day a chance to be a better person and he has shown me patience. Please like and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on more of these amazing queer stories. Also, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Positive reviews help us get surfaced and help people find us. We don't spend a dime on advertising, so your positive reviews is what gets us noticed. Today's show was produced by me and edited by myself and my best friend, Seth Goshorn. We receive financial support from the Regional Arts and Culture Council and the Portland Art Museum. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.